Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. We have an amazing broadcast lined up for you. I truly believe that the Spirit of the Lord is going to conduct our message today, and you need to take heed. You need to have a notepad out. You need to write down some notes. You need to get your Bible with you. We're going to be going through a lot of information and just territory that we need to be exploring in this hour, and again, we are not about just regurgitating and repeating information that is out there in the information superhighway. We want to hear from the Holy Spirit of God. We desire to bring a message from the Word of the Lord, from the Holy Spirit. We want truth. We don't want fantastic ideas, dramatic themes. We are living in the most dramatic times in the history of the world, so you cannot exclude drama from what's happening. But in sincerity, this is not just a Hollywood movie that we're watching. It is a biblical reality, and there are some types of shadows that we are going to draw from, and I want to make sure that we are ready to go here today. Um, I have an article that I'm going to read out of Prophecy News Watch, one of my favorite news sources, Prophecy News Watch, and the article is absolutely amazing uh, how it's going to tie into what we're going to be sharing today. So, first of all, I want to welcome everybody to the broadcast. I'm praising God that we have an opportunity to be with you today, and I want to make the most out of this moment, okay, the most out of these very precious moments we have before 
<clears throat> the great shift takes place and times like these will not be readily available. And again, we're, we're, we're working at the exclusion of drama or fan, fantasia or, you know, imaginations. We are looking through a biblical lens at the signs of the times in the world that we live in. We are seeking by the Holy Spirit of truth to give interpretation to these times. And so together we're going to move forward. Uh, we, I just guess we're in an overflow last night, had an amazing time together at New Wine Ministries last night. Um, our gathering was pretty awesome. It was, it was just something to get us on the right track as far as what God is wanting to do in and through the ministry. And so that was awesome. And I'm excited about today. Just saying hello this morning to Kevin Hauger. And good morning, Kevin. God bless you, sir. Brenda Torville is with us today. Good morning to you, Brenda. Sarah Anchorman, all the way from San Diego, California. God bless you. Still trying to work out with Sonia, a time when we could interview her. So we'll keep working on that. At some point, Charlotte Ghosh is with us today. Good morning, Charlotte. God bless you. Melissa Fletcher, all the way from South Dakota, is with us as well. And Laquita Sizemore. Laquita, how are you today? We are praying for you, asking the Lord to do his work in your life. I want to say good morning also to our friends that are listening on Blog Talk Radio. You need to get somebody right now to hear. Tell them to tune in to this moment. Uh, we have some great things that are planned out in the days ahead of us here in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, nine, uh, excuse me, 20-year-old Cameron Petit is going to be ministering Saturday night at the New Wine Ministry Church. Cameron Petit is an anointed young man who is growing. His fire is real. His passion is real. His love for God is real. He's actually going to be preaching from behind the pulpit at New Wine Ministries this Saturday at 530. So if you know some young folk that need to get turned on to the Word of God through a young rising preacher uh, that loves the Lord, you want to come to Northwest Arkansas New Wine Ministries 530 on Saturday, and we are going to encourage the daylights out of this young man to bring forth the word. And we're asking Holy Spirit, you know, this man is pressed into you, Lord. So whatever he's pressed into you, press out of him so that we could receive the revelation, the wine, the oil, the blessing, the anointing on his life. And we're thankful for that. And we encourage young people everywhere. Man, we'd love to see their fire come to the pulpit. Also, this Sunday, at 2 p.m. in Northwest Arkansas, pastors David and Victoria Obenauer are going to, from River of Fire Ministries, will be joining us. And Pastor David is going to be ministering at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And I uh, talked to him a little bit yesterday, and he's got fire as well. <clears throat> he's not a youth with fire, but he's got the fire. And he's going to be ministering Sunday at 2 p.m. And uh, I am looking so forward to that ministry, and also in May, at the end of May, Patricia and I will be heading to South Dakota, and we will be ministering up there as well. So what a moment for the body of Christ. What a moment, Holy Spirit, the great orchestrator, right? He's the concert conductor, and he is moving upon so many different people right now, a symphony, a harmony in the body of Christ. And uh, I'm going to have to leave that alone right now. That is something very specific. 
to the moment that we're in. And just in case you don't know it, today is the counting of the 11th day of the counting of the Omer. And that Omer count is in the book of Leviticus, I believe, and it's tied into the feast of the Lord that from the second night of Passover to Shavuot, or the 50th day after Passover, is the counting of the Omer. To keep anticipation, we know what happened on the 50th day in the New Covenant. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and we know that a baptism, an immersion of the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit took place in the lives of people. So we should be anticipating and expecting a glorious baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we'll talk more about that as we gather together uh, at the New Wine Ministry Church and keep, keep that fire burning as well. Now, praise the Lord. Are you ready for this? This is, this is a good... <laughs> I got that message today from Marissa. She said, there's going to be an open box. You're going to say, oh, this is good. This is good. Maybe this is just the revelation. So where do I want to actually begin today? I want to begin with an article and again, I want to say good morning to Marissa, and God bless you, and Chad Achterberg is with us. Chad, good morning. Uh, Jim Staff is with us today. Good morning, Jim. Uh, also, good morning to Cindy Messman, and uh, talk to you later, walking toward complete healing. Thank you, Laquita. Needed to hear that. Praise God. All right, so to all of our friends on Blog Talk, everybody there, let's go. I want to read the article, first of all, and... This is an article out of the prophecy. This is real deal stuff. Okay, so anticipate, buckle up. Here we go. Grace of God with us all. Oh, how America is preparing for the Antichrist with a godless mindset. That's how this article begins. A recent article in the Los Angeles Times, it's a pretty big newspaper, And Yahoo News is headlined, and I quote the headline, Why America's Record Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. See where this is going already, right? Let me repeat the article title again. Why America's Record Godlessness is Good News for the Nation. In part, it reads, and I quote, The secularization of U.S. society, the waning of religious faith, practice, and affiliation is continuing at a dramatic and historically unprecedented pace. In other words, the acceleration into debauchery, into um, just secularism and godlessness. While many may consider such a development as a cause for concern, said the Los Angeles Times, and Yahoo News, such a worry is not warranted. This increasing godlessness in America is actually a good thing to be welcomed and embraced. That's what it said in the Los Angeles Times. Are you serious is the question. So as recently as 1976, nearly 40% of Americans said they believed that the Bible was the actual word of God to be taken literally. Well, today, only about a quarter of Americans believe that. More believe the Bible is a collection of fables, history, and tales written by men. 
Representative Jerry Nadler, the Democrat from New York, recently proclaimed that God's will was of no concern to this Congress. First, the liberals kicked God out of the Pledge of Allegiance and then out of their Democrat National Convention in 2012. Until recently, they did not make an effort to force the rest of the nation to also abandon God. Now, the consequences is that secularization has consequences. Check out nations that have experimented with it. Japan, Scandinavia, Australia, the UK, and parts of Eastern Europe. How is society functioning in godless China and Russia? Once God is gone, repression almost always follows. The article heralding America's new godlessness said that now society can embrace abortion, socialized medicine, euthanasia, and gun control. It reads this way in the Los Angeles Times and in Yahoo News, and I quote, The organic secularization we are experiencing in the United States is a progressive force for good, one that is associated with improved human rights, more protections for planet Earth, and an increased societal, sociocultural propensity to make this life as fair and just as we can in the here and now, rather than in a heavenly reward that fewer and fewer of us believe in. Ah, that's the end of the quote. Does this not foreshadow the words of Luke 18.8, when Christ returns, will he find any of faith? So there is this, this transformation that's happening in our side, according to this article. And for 100 years, I'm going to continue on in the article, there has been an effort to make government God. Starting in 2020, an element was added that furthered that agenda, and that element was fear. Fear of a pandemic. It became the perfect storm. Author and blogger Jonathan Brentner writes, And I quote, the combination of fear and the great deception of our time have made vast numbers of people willing to submit to the government while they now regard as the protector of their health. As a result, they have willingly given up many of their rights and freedoms for the sake of remaining healthy, a trend sure to continue. The New World Order, a.k.a. the Beast, cannot exercise its dominion over people apart from their willingness to submit to dictates of a government they trust for their well-being and health. People wear masks without questioning their effectiveness. And very few pastors stand up against the restriction regarding the freedom of religion imposed on them by socialist governors. In order for the elite to achieve their ultimate goal, Of a one-world government, they must convince people of the need for more government control of their lives. This explains their devotion to the contrived climate emergency and why they will not let go of the increased control over our lives that they have achieved through the China virus. Four of the most terrifying words in the Bible are, God gave them over, Romans chapter 1. Because man rejected God, he gave them over to foolish idolatry, 
We find the same principle in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, but this time in terms of delusional beliefs. Those who reject God's truth will end up following the Antichrist. They will run pell-mell into his arms. The stage is being set. Just 50 to 100 years ago, our churches were filled on Sundays. Even though the mainline Protestants were in decline, still faithful Presbyterians, Lutherans, and Methodists joyfully sang hymns. The evangelical church was exploding in reaction to the liberalism that had invaded the church. The thought of a prominent U.S. congressman stating that our government was not concerned with God's will was unthinkable. But 50 to 100 years ago, we were not so late in the game. Few were even thinking about the Antichrist, much less knowingly or unknowingly heralding his coming. Now he is one on, he is on the horizon. So are the four horsemen. Okay, that's this article. Evil is on its way. So is the return of the Lord in what is known at his second coming. This is the good news in the midst of the sad story. He's coming for a church without spot and wrinkle, without blemish. He's coming for a people who are prepared. He's coming for people who are called the overcomers, who have endured to the end of the great tribulation. For immediately after the tribulation of those days, these are those days, the Lord will come with a shout and a trumpet blast. He will come in the clouds of glory, and every eye shall see him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn when they see the Lord coming in great power and splendor. But from within that cloud, he will send forth the reapers to reap the earth, to harvest the righteous wheat, the overcomers. And then we know what happens. When we who are taken, who are alive and remaining, To be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, we know first, before that happens, the dead in Christ shall rise. These are the words of Jesus Christ. No need to try to make them fit or squeeze into a theology. They are very clear and clearly presented. So the good news is that beyond all of this insanity that is going on in the world in which we live, which the Bible predicted thousands of years ago, even calling light darkness and darkness light and good evil and evil good and bitter sweet and sweet bitter. We know that is the signs of the times. We know that the natural affection of man has been depleted. We know that morality and what is natural has been twisted and turned into immorality and unnaturalism everywhere we look. So continuing on, we believe that Jesus is coming While most people no longer believe that Jesus is coming back, we know and we have faith and we believe that Jesus will return. His spirit is already here among us. His spirit dwells within us. Christ is in you unless you be reprobate. Christ dwells in our heart by faith. Christ is here. Holy Spirit intelligence is in our hearts and minds guiding directing our lives to do what the blind masses would never do never even think of because the veil is over their minds because the god of this world has blinded their minds 
lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine in their hearts. And without the glorious light of the gospel shining in the heart of man, he is doomed to the darkness and to the deception and the ultimate delusion of believing lies. This is all biblical, all scriptural. So what does this all mean? We just heard of an article out of the Los Angeles Times welcoming, literally welcoming the godlessness. And they are thanking themselves or whatever powers they are talking about for the diminishing of Christianity, faith in Jesus Christ, faith in the Bible. They are praising the works of their hands that have diminished and have put a stronghold and a lock and a bondage upon the Christian church. They are rejoicing that the power of government just displayed its authority by shutting down the church in a very calm way, in a very deceptive way. But now they have gained the upper hand of a more powerful strength to insist upon their rules and regulations over the church in America and around the world. This is reality. This is what's happening. And the world is welcoming it. They're rejoicing. They are beginning the mantra of worshiping the beast. We know in Revelation chapter 13 that the whole world, every tribe, every tongue, all languages of the earth, every culture will worship the dragon and they will worship the beast. You're beginning to see it show up now in your newspapers, another sign of the times. And the world is ready to receive the light bearer, Lucifer, the Antichrist. If you have any question as to who the Antichrist is, whether he's a Muslim or out of Rome, listen. The Antichrist, the son of perdition, is Lucifer. He will take on a robe of humanity, and whatever that is, most likely out of the Islamic world, we agree that it will be an Islamic Antichrist, but it will be Lucifer. Second Thessalonians makes that abundantly clear if you haven't studied it out or realized that yet. Now, having said this, I want to get into a little bit more uh, idea of what's happening, okay? So these are my notes from this morning as I'm praying, awakening, studying, praising God, reading this article. And by the way, there's another article I read to our congregation last night about what's happening in the China Communist Party, the CCP, how they are really pressing down on home churches. In China, the saints in home churches are being arrested and brought to jail and examined for gathering together, uh, and they are being viewed by the Chinese Communist Party as a threat to their society, that they are a subversive force, that Christianity in the homes are a subversive force to China's Communist Party. They're being arrested, and then finding no charge against them, they're turning them over to the transformation centers. And I could read you a portion of the article, um, very powerful, quite frankly. And let's see if I still have this with me from last night. Uh, Here it is. And so this is from 
the Radio Free Asia report. This was from Glenn Beck and the Blaze Media. They did the reporting on this. And here's what the article is saying. And this is probably not a, a, a news media, you know, breaking news flash. You know, we didn't know that. We've heard of this for a very long time. But just to know that it's happening again, uh, there was a, one man. His name was Lee. We'll leave it at that, Lee. And what he said was happening to the people is that they were taken to these transformation facilities for brainwashing to get them to renounce their faith. Okay. And um, let me just bring out the article. So Lee called the facility a mobile facility. He said it could just set up in some basement somewhere. And it was staffed by people from several different government departments. He added that they mainly target Christians who are members of house churches. And the report went on to say the Chinese Communist Party, which embraces atheism, exercises tight controls over any form of religious practice among its citizens. So state security police and religious affairs bureau officials frequently raid unofficial house churches. In other words, churches that aren't registered with the state. Or they're not members of the CCP-backed Three Self Patriotic Association, although member churches have also been targeted at times. So even churches that are registered with the CCP uh, will be targeted, but they're focusing right now and... This article goes on to say that the CCP under Xi Jinping, and you'll remember that Xi Jinping, his name is 666. Just if you wanted to look up the number 666 and you wanted to do a study in Revelation, I tried to bring it forth a few months ago that this Xi Jinping is the number 666. And if you're interested in knowing more about that, I'd be happy to share it with you. But anyways, the CCP under Xi Jinping regards Christianity as a dangerous foreign import with party documents warning against the infiltration of Western hostile forces. That's what they call these home churches in the form of religion. So they're a subversive hostile force. Lee said most of his fellow inmates had been released on bail during criminal detention for taking part in church-related activities, but most hadn't done anything that would result in criminal prosecution. So police sent them to the transformation facilities. Instead, the outlet reported. And Lee said, and I quote him, they were using brainwashing methods on those of us who were on bail from the detention center He told RFA, adding that you have to accept the statement they prepare for you, and if you refuse, you will be seen as having a bad attitude, and they will keep you in detention and keep on beating you. Lee added to the outlet that there were no windows, no ventilation, and no time allowed outside, and that he was given just two meals a day. Inmates who refused to admit their mistakes were held in solitary confinement for prolonged periods. He said there is no time limit for the brainwashing process. Lee added to the outlet, I don't know the longest time anyone has been held there, but I was detained for eight or nine months. He said, also, since you cannot see the sun, all concept of time is lost. 
Lee also said that suicidal thoughts and self-harm were commonplace. He said, I couldn't sleep. After you've been in a three, after you've been there a week, death starts to look better than staying there. He recalled to the RFA, I bashed myself against the wall to self-harm. So after a week in this transformation center, suicidal thoughts, bashing against the wall, no light, no sun, no ventilation, no windows. It was having a psychological effect upon these people. This is not a Hollywood movie. This is happening in China. Now let's go on. Lee noted to the outlet one instance when he was groggy and was trying to open his eyes. He said, but I couldn't. Four or five of them grabbed me by the arms and legs and pinned me to the ground. Then they injected me with some drug and brought me back to consciousness. He said that upon his release, he was suffering from edema and had gained over 20 pounds. So even state-run churches haven't escaped the heavy hand of China's communist authorities, as the Blaze reported last year that officials allegedly ordered such congregations to praise Chinese President Xi Jinping's handling of the coronavirus before being permitted to reopen. All right, so that's the end of that article. Um, This is happening, and the Biden administration is in cahoots in bed with China and the regular global agenda, and the socialist communist agenda in America is real. It is not a dramatic movie. But I want to get into some prophetic thoughts now, okay? We just read in the Los Angeles Times and Yahoo News that the world is, or the article is reading, that the world should embrace this apostasy of Christianity. We should embrace the evils. We should embrace euthanasia, abortion, homosexuality, et cetera, et cetera. We should embrace all of these things to bring a free society without a God ruling over them. This is to be welcomed and embraced. We just read that. So what are we hearing? How do you interpret that? Well, you can try, you can try to plug up the gaping hole in the Titanic, but it's not going to work. You see, the flood of iniquity, the flood, and I've got many verses here to share with you about the flood, what the flood represents. And in, in judgment, it's a flood of nations that are coming against a people that have turned away from the Lord, i.e., the Supreme Court of the United States declaring the Supreme Court of the United States of America twice ruled that the United States of America was a Christian nation. Twice. But we just ignore all that. We think that our present society is the way that we've always been, when in fact, for 200 and some odd years, we were a more moral and religious society with a Christian ethic and principle for the gospel of Jesus Christ, as was recorded by the founding fathers. But who cares about that? This is the modern new age of the times we're living in, right? So the flood is pouring in to the nation, just like the waters of the Atlantic were pouring in to the Titanic. And again, you could go down to the hull and try to fix the gaping hole, 
from whatever caused it. They say an iceberg. Some people have a different theory about that as well. But regardless, the gaping hole, you can't take glue and paper clips and duct tape, and they couldn't fix it. So what did the people on the Titanic do? Well, when they finally found out that it had struck an iceberg and the ship was going to drown, they panicked. Panic is going to become a social reality in this country. We didn't really panic in 2020. There was some panic, some fear, but that was just the preview year. 2020 was a preview year. I'm speaking to you by the Spirit of the Lord right now. You be the judge. Do what you want. I'm not fear-mongering. I'm not being dramatic, sensational. I'm telling you what I'm hearing by the Holy Spirit. You judge it. Okay? 2020 was a preview some fear, some panic. Meanwhile, we saw raging violence and gangs and fires and brutality and cruelty. We saw it all. But it really didn't spark the panic that we're talking about here. On the Titanic, when the, the inevitable reality came about in their minds, when they woke up to the reality that ship was going down, they weren't going to fix the problems. And a lot of our religion today is simply trying to do that. They're trying to fix the problems. You know, they use the smooth speech and they tell people words of uh, peace and safety and they tickle ears and scratch backs and feel good messages. And, you know, they, they come up with these ideas. Meanwhile, the reality is, is that the wickedness is pouring into the ship. Okay. The nation is being inundated, flooded with iniquity And the Los Angeles times is just touting what is a reality, but the deceptive people are trying to make everybody feel good, so much so that on the Titanic, while the people were screaming and panicking, and I want to talk a little bit more about panic in just a moment, okay, and running, and people were trying to jump on ship, and their neighbor didn't matter to them one bit. They pushed them out of the way to get themselves on that ship, right, or, or those escape boats. Remember the escape boats? Well, the orchestra on the Titanic went out to the deck, and they started playing their music. And so in the movie, The Titanic, you had this beautiful music of harps and violins and stringed instruments and sounds, and they were playing this harmonious, beautiful music. But in the background, the people were running, and there was action, and there was drama, and people were panicking to save their lives. The, the big Titanic that God could not sink that's what they said. Not even God could sink Jerry Nadler. Not even God could sink the Titanic. It's kind of what they're saying. God can't touch America today. God can't touch anything. But here's the, here's the reality. They knew it was going down now. They awoke up to a reality. They're in the middle of the Atlantic. And there is no salvation to be seen. There is no salvation to be found. And there's only a few escape vote, boats that would save a few hundred people. Thousands lost their lives. A few hundred people would be saved by these little boats. But man, the, the, the war to get on one of those little boats, get into your ark, get into a safe place, a salvation. The word of God is very clear that Noah had an ark 
Lot ran into a mountain. The children of Israel went to a Goshen, a city of refuge. There's always a place. Enter into your chamber. Shut the door until the indignation be overpassed. Isaiah 26:20. God always has a Petra. God always has a place, the mountains of Judea. Whatever it is, God has a place for his people. Now, but you have to understand that the masses are going to panic. The fear and the panic is what is about to break loose in our nation. Why? Because we cannot fix the hole, the gaping hole that has happened to America. We have struck the iceberg. In 2003, this pulpit ministry declared that America had crossed the point of no return. People didn't like that idea. God was telling me in 2003, do not pray for this nation, because I'm not going to hear your prayers. Pray for the saints of God in this country to be able to navigate through the times that are coming upon it. And that's been our, we have obeyed the Lord since 2003. I've watched for 18 years, will America ever become the great nation again? Never, even under Trump's administration, we still found ourselves in the mess that we're still in today. Things changed, but the gaping hole was never repaired. America is a broken nation, and the flood that is coming is a flood of violence. It's national. It has to do with people. It has to do with policy. We could talk more about that as well. But the question is, how do we abandon ship? And remember, there are few lifeboats that people escaped into. Now, the Bible tells us that we are to come out of her, my people. Before she goes down, lest you become a partaker of her sins and receive of her plagues. A lot of people over the last 20 years and even beyond have heard the Holy Spirit tell them, discomfort themselves to disturb their comfort zone in their nests, pack their bags and leave. Years ago, people packed their bags and they left their comfortable environments, their state, their home, their families, their businesses. And they went out to places they had never been before. But God led them by his spirit into certain places. This has been happening in our country. There's been transition. The year we're in right now is the year 5781, according to the Hebrew number of the year, 5781. 5781 speaks of distress, pressure, tribulation, anguish, and the meaning, pack your bags. And what I'm telling you today, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, if you have not already prepared your lifeboat and and entered into your lifeboat, what is that? That's the region, your neighborhood, your town. Are you in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now? You should be. You should be. And I'm going to show you why in just a moment. Now, we have to learn to come out. And the flood in Revelation chapter 12, and I just want to read a few verses right now. Nothing new under the sun. You've heard a lot of these things before, but I'm going to give you something prophetic to chew on. Revelation 12:15, and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood 
after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. The earth helped the woman. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's how Revelation 12 ends. And then the next chapter, 13, the mechanism of that war is the beast. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. But there's a flood coming out of the serpent's mouth to sweep away the people of God. Okay, that flood is being poured out everywhere. Now the earth is swallowing it up to help a remnant, people who keep the commandments of God, they keep the commandments of God, and they have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Okay, so I wanted to read out of Amos chapter 9, Amos chapter 9, I'm going very slow for a reason, Amos chapter 9, and let's just cruise on over there and read verse 5, just Amos 9, 5, and here's what it says, and the Lord God of hosts is he that touches the land and it shall melt, in this say, in this place, God touches the land, it shall melt, and all that dwell therein shall mourn, and it shall rise up wholly like a flood, and shall be drowned as by the flood of Egypt. Very interesting. Jeremiah chapter 47 says it this way. Jeremiah 47 talks about a flood, but I want you to notice what he's referring to. Jeremiah 47, let's look at verse 1 and 2. The word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet against the Philistines before the Pharaoh smote Gaza. Thus saith the Lord, behold, waters rise up out of the north and shall be an overflowing flood and shall overflow the land and all that is therein, the city and them that dwell therein. Then the men shall cry and all the inhabitants of the land shall howl. Well, what was that overwhelming flood? It was Babylon. It was Babylon. It was the nation. It was a military power that was coming out of the north to flood, in this case, the Philistines and Gaza and all of that. Now, in Jeremiah 46, back one chapter, verses 7 and 8, who is he that comes up as a flood whose waters are moved as the rivers? Egypt rises up like a flood, and his waters are moved like the rivers. And he says, I will go up and will cover the earth. I will destroy the city and the inhabitants thereof. Come up, you horses, and rage, you chariots, and let the mighty men come forth. So it, then it gets into uh, the Ethiopians and the Libyans that handle the shield and the Lydians that handle and bend the bow. For this is the day of the Lord God of hosts, a day of vengeance, that he may avenge him of his adversaries. Well, a day of the Lord is coming upon the United States of America, and he's sending a flood. He's allowing a flood of nations to bring judgment upon this Judeo-Christian nation. Oh, it's coming. There's no doubt about that. If you don't see that yet, then you're just sound asleep. Um, but may God wake every one of us up to a reality. Now, there's one more verse I want to look at in Isaiah 28. Isaiah chapter 28. 
in verse 1 and 2. Woe to the crown of pride, to the drunkards of Ephraim, whose glorious beauty is a fading flower. Kind of sound familiar, doesn't it? Which are on the head of the fat valleys of them that are overcome with wine. Yeah. Behold, the Lord has a mighty and strong one. Listen to this. The Lord has a mighty and strong one, which is as a tempest of hail and a destroying storm, as a flood of mighty waters overflowing shall cast down to the earth with the hand. Ah, yeah. So when we talk about a flood that is coming upon this nation, it's like a raging storm. It's like hail. It's like a flood. And who was that? That was the Assyrians. The Assyrians were coming. Okay. Now, prophetic word. Here it is. You be the judge. A decree has been made. Now, who knows when? We're hearing it right now. A decree has been made. Now, the third wave rises. What does that mean? Well, you'll remember a year ago, we were talking about four waves. The first wave, coronavirus. The second wave, anarchy and civil disobedience, which has been fulfilled and has run its course. And now the third wave, which we saw as war. The third wave now rises. War is determined. An outbreak out of nowhere. This is what God is saying. War, there's going to be an outbreak of war out of nowhere. And then he said... George Floyd's death sparked internal anarchy out of nowhere. The Lord said the flint will be struck again and a larger flame shall burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence. Remember, we had prophesied Four waves. The first wave was already there. Nobody knew. But we prophesied the second wave would be anarchy and civil disobedience before it happened. And then a few days later, all of a sudden, George Floyd was killed in Minnesota. And all of a sudden, it sparked what we saw for almost an entire year. The flint was struck. God is saying, in like manner, the war that is about to break out is going to be a larger strike against the flint, a larger flame, and it's going to burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence. Now, I don't know what's happened to Christians over the last year. They've been so blinded and so veiled. They may be mocking this word as they did anarchy and civil disobedience that was called before it happened. They may raise their eyebrow and they may smirk on their face when they heard this pulpit say God gave a dream that Joe Biden will win the election. They mocked and scoffed at that and they ridiculed that idea and said that's impossible. But out of this pulpit, the dream came from the Lord. Joe Biden won the election and sure enough, 
he did. So I don't know if people have awakened to the authenticity and the accuracy coming from this pulpit or not, but a declaration is being heard and a decree has gone forth and war is now rising and it's coming. The thing is, as this larger flame shall burst into a raging epidemic of war and violence, what is God telling his people to do? Enter into your ark. You have to ask yourself a question. Where is my ark? Is your home the place that God told you to prepare for lights out, violence, anarchy, exponential, internal, domestic, and outside forces hitting this nation. Are, are, is your apartment, your two-bedroom apartment, is that your ark? Did you stock it with water and food and all the necessary things that you may have to deal with that won't be limited to the city streets but will spread into the suburb areas? I'm telling you, a fire is ready to burn. It's going to rage. And this fire that you saw in the preview of 2020 in the city streets, it's going to spread into local communities, suburban areas. And I'm telling you, this is coming. You need to make sure that if God told you that your house is your ark, then praise God, then you've prepared your ark. Make sure you enter into it. Is your ark in the proper place? Is it in the city? Is it in a town that God has called you to? Have you been led by the Holy Spirit? Do you know you're in the right place? You see, here in Arkansas, and yes, I will be as bold to say it out loud, we are the only state in America that has banned abortion. Except if a woman is going to die in the birth, they will they will do something. Incest, rape, there is no legal right for an abortion in Arkansas. Our state legislature just overthrew the governor's signing of, a, of some law that was going to allow for transgender support. Well, our state legislature overruled that and banned it. We are no longer going to support transgender, having little five-year-old boys because of their parents' mindlessness, changing their bodies, blocking their hormones with drugs, and creating an atmosphere that that five-year-old probably, when he grows up, is going to have to deal with the monstrosity of what they're promoting. So thank God we're going to give children a little bit more time to be who God created them to be in Arkansas, not everywhere. Not a perfect state, but for the thousands of people that were led by the Holy Spirit into the state of Arkansas, this is ark. This is their ark. You get it? Living in this environment, having a state legislature like Jason Rappert and others, having people that have a moral compass, who have a biblical heartbeat of the grace of God and the fear of the Lord, showing up in their policy, their legislation. It's one of these Goshens that God is preparing for his people in the last days. We live 
in the ark here. What about you? Right now, God is saying with what's coming, enter into your ark. How much time do we have? The word now in the Greek, when it says, now the third wave rises, the word now is from this point forward, war is determined. It's coming. Now, many, God said, many are going to be caught off guard because all they hear is peace and safety. So God says a lot of people, like Jesus said in Luke 21, as a snare shall it come upon the whole earth and they shall not escape. In other words, when this comes, if you are not in the right place at the right time doing the right thing with the right people right now, you are going to get caught in the snare. Now, we happen to live in a region that is representative of the ark God is talking about. So we move freely. But each one has also prepared for a more independent, individual, more smaller community. So an ark within an ark, if you will. And those places being prepared, whoever has prepared them, they, even though they're in the general vicinity of this ark, in whatever region you're in, you may live in South Dakota, for example, and be in a safe place that God has told you to prepare Uh, You may have that in a general area, a little town that's known for doing what is right and good. But local assemblies also, as I've been trying to tell pastors for a long time, hey, pastor, why don't you gather your congregation, buy land, plant gardens, dig wells, prepare some shelters? Why don't you do something as a local assembly? If you've been listening to this broadcast for long enough, you know this has been the heart cry. Our desire to start home fellowships is way beyond just hanging out in a house. It's taking the people that belong to these home fellowships, gathering together, putting their resources together, buying land, planting, growing, building, working together, getting to know each other. It should have been happening all along, and I'm sure that it is happening in places we're not even aware of. I hear, feel an urgency, saints, Woke up this morning in the joy of the Lord, but with an urgency. I am rejoicing because God led us into this region. Of all the states in America, when we left San Diego, God designed, supernaturally brought to our attention, I want you in Arkansas. And we're the only state that is fighting against abortion. First, in all the unions. I am rejoicing with, with, with the Lord. I am just rejoicing. And so we're here. Now there's thousands of Christians that have been led by the Spirit in our region. And I know God has other Goshens in other places. But in this place, it's now getting a harmony. It's getting a unanimous, harmonious accord with each other in the body of Christ. There's still problems in the church. You know, people believe in the pre-trib rapture, once saved, always saved, oh, you're crazy for preparing food and water. And that's okay. The time will come. It's already here where they're wondering, uh, we should have been gone by now. We're not gone. Uh, we must be in a delay. But get ready any moment now. It is going to happen. There is no pre-tribulation or rapture. You've got to get prepared. And eventually, the people that have been led by the Spirit of God are going to come into a unanimous harmony in an accord of what we should be doing to prepare together, okay? I 
I heard God say, awake, perceive, recognize, and see the signs. If you're not awake, you cannot perceive. If you're not awake, if you're drowsy and sleepy, you cannot recognize. You cannot see the signs all around. And what God is saying, and I will tell you, in the book of Ezekiel, when we called it the four waves, God called it the four sword judgments. It was a phase of judgments wrapped up in one phase. There are many phases. And Leviticus 26 tells you about the different phases of judgment. It wasn't just a singular judgment. It was like three or four judgments within one phase, and there were seven phases. We are in a phase since coronavirus, civil disobedience and anarchy. The third judgment within this phase is war. The fourth judgment in this phase is lights out. And we're to be preparing for that, living like we understand that. We're watching, we're seeing, we are addressing issues like the coronavirus. You know that we've been all uh, uh, vaccinated with the JCON vaccination. You know that. So we've had to bring the word of God to bear upon the things we're facing so we could address it properly. Civil disobedience and anarchy, it didn't have any, no power over our lives, being in the right place at the right time. Okay, no effect there. The war should also have no effect upon those who enter into their ark in their prepared place, being with the right people at the right time, doing the right thing. That's important. And then God called it, I've heard it before, and I heard it again in my spirit, the summer of violence. Summer of violence. I've heard this before. And when I was searching this out, the summer of violence, God reminded me of the preview that we just went through. He said 2020 is a preview to the summer of violence that is ahead. And he brought me back, and then I, I had a thought come in. First, it's, it's kind of, of a download. And then as I'm thinking, I thought that maybe because there are seven, six or seven executive orders today that Joe Biden is releasing for gun control. Today, six or seven executive orders for gun control. And I thought maybe the decree that we started this with, a decree has been made, and that decree is going to open up the third wave of war, the decree of gun control in our country with a globalist agenda behind it. That could be one of the reasons why this smack against the flint, against the rock, is going to ignite that large flame and cause this bursting uh, to take place. But here's where I want to kind of begin my wrap-up right now. I was reminded, go back to Amos chapter 8, talking about the summer of violence. And I've been there all last year, and I was there the year before. I'm telling you, we were in Amos chapter 8 two years ago. We were in Amos chapter 8 last year. And we were looking at it and, and, and you know, saying what this is coming. And I'm hearing today that, that was a, the last two years have been preview years, particularly last year. And so here's what 
we hear in the spirit prophetically. This is Amos chapter 8. Beginning in verse 1. Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. So obviously we take this prophecy and most prophecies of the Old Testament are dualistic. They were meant for that generation, but they also have value to other nations and generations, even up to the very end. Babylon will be destroyed, right? In Revelation 18, the coming of the Lord, Babylon is destroyed. Well, that prophecy goes back to Jeremiah prophesying to Babylon in his day. But everything he said about the destruction of Babylon shows up at the end of the end of the ages, the times we're in now. So he said, the end is come. The end is come. Hear that. The end is come upon America. The once Judeo-Christian nation told by the Supreme Court twice throughout the history of this country, America is a Christian nation twice. But God says the end has come. I will not again pass by them anymore. Wow, what was Israel doing? What was Israel doing? Well, they were worshiping Molcom and Rimfan. And they created a star of their God and they were baking cakes to the queen of heaven and they were turning away from the Lord. They were no longer accepting his law. They were worshiping other gods. I mean, it got messy, right? Kind of like what's happening right here where the LA times is boasting that we should receive the apostasy, the decadence, right? God went on to say, the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day. Now, this saith the Lord God, the songs of the temple, all the churches, buildings, you know, people get together and they sing their songs in the temple, right? God says in verse three, the songs of the temple shall be howlings. Now, there was some howling going on in 2020 as the churches were shut down and people were trying to keep the business going by being on, you know, uh, virtual church services. The songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day. You just saw the preview. There shall be many dead bodies. I'm reading the prophecy. We saw that in the last year, many dead bodies. They say in America over 580,000 people have died from coronavirus. That's what they say. Okay. People were pulling out of the hospitals as President Trump was riding down the road. He saw the refrigerator trucks and they were pulling dead bodies out of hospitals. Mass amounts of dead bodies. It was a preview. I'm telling you, it's a preview of what's ready to happen in this country. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. I want to get through, you could study verses four through eight, um, but I want to, well, let me read verse eight. Okay. It talks about the sin that was committed. And when you read it, in comparison to what's going on to today in America, it's almost nothing. It's laughable. So the judgment that God's bringing is justified. If they were judged 
with this kind of prophecy for what they did, expect the double portion here for what we have done as a nation against God. Now in verse 8, it says, shall not the land tremble for this, for all of our sins? And everyone mourn that dwells therein. Yes, the mourning of the cooing of a dove is coming. It shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. He's talking about the nation. But here it is. You ready? It shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon. I will darken the earth in the clear day. So something is going to happen, the summer of violence, war, many dead bodies, howlings in the temples. That's why home fellowships is what God is calling for. And I know we just read an article in China, they go after the home fellowships. So this has to be a very spiritual movement from God himself, a leading of the Holy Spirit, how this is all going to work. But definitely the temple buildings are either going to be state-run, registered with the state, or they're going to come under severe attack, just like in China. Okay? But God says, and this was a clue, okay, this was a clue. A year ago, two years ago, we were looking at this, that God's going to darken the earth. So the judgment of war that's going to create this massive death that we just read about, he said, I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I will make it as the morning of an only son and the end thereof is a bitter day. Hmm. Remember, the majority of people are going to get caught off guard because they will not receive this word. And that's not my job to make people receive anything. It's my job to tell you what I believe the Lord is saying so that you could prepare. I am not a fear mongerer, never have been, but I am warning from what I see, what I hear, what I know in my spirit, what I believe, this third wave is coming. This prophecy is going to be fulfilled. And out of that time of war, I believe the fourth wave will rise. The earth will be darkened. And I believe that that is a real, tangible darkness that's going to come upon this earth the children of israel had light they were in goshen i told you the story of being taken up into space and seeing the little lights in america a few scattered lights where god had his glory in the homes god says it's going to be a bitter day after this phase of four judgments and verse 11 says Behold, the days come. Get ready for this, saints. Saith the Lord God that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People everywhere are walking around this country right now and around the world. We're talking about America today. They're not being fed. There's no food. Their shepherds have fed them junk food for so long. They are anemic. They are weak. 
And God said, get ready. The time is coming that I'm sending famine. But the Bible also says to the remnant, those seeking the Lord, serving the Lord, that in the time of famine, you shall have plenty. See, God's setting things up for those who love him. And God knows every person's heart. That's why outward performance could be the greatest deception anywhere. He knows what's in the heart. And he's going to prepare for those who love him, seeking him, obeying him, being guided by his spirit, leading them. He's going to do it. And it says in verse 12, they shall wander from sea to sea, from the north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. I had a vision in 2006 when the calamity hits the United States, like a nuclear 9-11, when 7 to 15 nuclear bombs go off into 7, 15 major cities in this country, that people will be traveling from sea to sea. I could see the father and the mother with a little child in their tattered and ripped clothes and dirt on their faces, hungry, looking for bread. It happened during the storm of Katrina in 2005, and God said that it will be like Katrina times a thousand because it will be all over the country. People will be transient, looking for food and water, looking for a place of safety, looking for help. You don't understand what I'm saying, I don't think. I don't think you understand the gravity of what's about to happen. Prophecies that have been withheld are being released. And I'll show you something here in just a moment. It says, in that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. Now, Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled. Your hunger and thirst for doing what is right, for the righteousness of God, you're going to be filled. You're going to have plenty in the time of famine. There is a refuge. It's biblical pattern. Noah has his ark. Come on. Children of Israel had their Goshen. There were cities of refuge. God's always made a place for his people. Even in the book of Revelation, there's a wilderness for the woman. Okay? There's a wilderness. There's a place where she's nourished for three and a half years. Same time period as the Great Tribulation. In Ezekiel chapter 7, and then I'm going to open the telephone lines if you're interested in commenting on what you're hearing. And I know we're breaking through a lot of muck and mire that's been sown in people's minds about, you know, peace and safety and all that stuff. But I want to refer to Ezekiel chapter 7 because, again, in Amos chapter 8, this is what it said in verse uh, 2. No, yeah, in verse 2, he said, Amos, what do you see? I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come. The end is come. Remember that as we go to Ezekiel 7. And remember that the summer of violence is going to create an atmosphere in the Feast of Tabernacles during the feast seasons of howlings and really bad stuff. So preparation... For this summer, four months of summer violence, June, July, August, September, and then moving into the great Feast of Tabernacle season in the fall is where God said, that's where the howling is. 
That's where the dead bodies are. I mean, all that prophecy. But listen to Ezekiel chapter 7. I know people are going, well, that can't be. We've heard that before. You need to hear it. You need to hear it, and you need to take it to prayer, and you need to pray, and you need to find out what's true. Is this true, or are we going to have the best days of our life coming ahead of us in America? Is America coming back to its greatness? All the enemies are at peace with America because we're now appeasing the Lord's mind. We just read in an article that we should welcome the degradation. Come on, it's wake up. So I just want to read this quickly in Ezekiel chapter 7. I know it's Old Testament, but remember the New Testament apostle said, we learn from these prophecies, okay? Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Verse 5 says, thus saith the Lord God. This is Ezekiel 7, 5. An evil and only evil, behold, is come. An end is come. The end is come. It watches for you. Behold, it is come. The morning is come unto thee, O thou that dwellest in the land. The time is come. The day of trouble is near. And not the sounding again of the mountains. Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon you and accomplish my anger upon you. And I will judge you according to your ways. Well, does God have a right to be angry with the politicians in America, with the judicial branch of government in America, with the legislative branch of government in America, the executive branch of government? Is God, have, does he have a right to be angry again at the mass murder of innocent babies shedding their blood all over this nation and around the world? Defying him when he says homosexuality is it a putrid abomination is he, and, and we promote it? And all the other ills, and now we welcome the decadence. Does God not have a day of vengeance against this country? Does he not have a right to be? I don't know what God you're serving or looking to, but I know that the God of the Bible, the God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's warning us and telling us, my fury is going to be released like a flood. I'm bringing war against your country, and I'm going to break the power of your pride and the disgusting stench that you have brought forth as an incense from hell has reached up to my nostrils and I will not bear. I'm bringing it. God's saying it. I'm bringing it to you. It's coming. And church, you better wake up. He said, Now will I shortly pour out my fury upon you, accomplish my anger upon you. I will judge you according to your ways and will recompense you for all your abominations. Homosexuality is called by God an abomination and so much other junk that is coming into our society. Wake up. Peace and safety. Are you kidding me? My eye shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. I will recompense you according to your ways and your abominations that are in the midst of you. And you shall know that I am the Lord that smiteth. Dear God, wake up the people, Father. Bob Wire in Washington, D.C. Do you have any idea? of what is about to explode within this nation. Do you really understand 
that this is a time of vengeance and recompense, and God is declaring an end and an evil, and that the time has come. He says in verse 10, Behold the day, behold, it is come. The morning is gone forth. The rod is blossomed. Blossom. Pride has budded. Violence is risen up unto a rod of wickedness. None of them shall remain, nor of their multitude, nor of theirs. Neither shall there be wailing for them. The time is come, verse 12, the day draws near. Let not the buyer rejoice, nor the seller mourn, for wrath is upon all the multitude thereof. For the seller shall not return to that which is sold, although they were yet alive. For the vision is touching the whole multitude thereof, which shall not return, neither shall any strengthen himself in the iniquity of his life. They have blown the trumpet. We've been blowing it for a long time, even to make already, but none goes to the battle. For my wrath is upon all the multitude thereof. The sword is without, the pestilence and the famine within. He that is in the field shall die with the sword. He that is in the city, famine and pestilence shall devour him. But they that escape of them shall escape and shall be on the mountains like doves of the valleys, all of them mourning everyone for his iniquity. Even the people that escape are going to have sorrowful hearts for the iniquity of their lives. We're getting somewhere. We're getting somewhere. They shall also gird themselves with sackcloth and horror shall cover them. Shame shall be upon their faces, baldness upon their heads. They shall cast their silver in the streets, and their gold shall be removed. Their silver and their gold shall not be able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They shall not satisfy their souls, neither fill their bowels, because it is a stumbling block of their iniquity. Ezekiel chapter 14. I'll leave you with this, and then we'll open the lines here. I just want to show you the phase that we have been in. Verse 21, Ezekiel 14, 20, For thus saith the Lord God, how much more when I send my four sore judgments. Now, when we were reading this on the air a year ago, Brother Michael came along and said, these are like the four waves that surfers wait for in a set. The first wave comes, but the good surfer will look past that wave, and the second wave will come, and he'll look past that wave. The third wave will come because the fourth wave is the biggest. And from the first wave to the second wave, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. So the big waves, the tidal waves of destruction are mounting. And God says, this says the Lord, how much more when I send my four sword judgments or my four waves within one phase of judgment, Upon Jerusalem, the sword, the famine, the noisome beast, and the pestilence. God talks about the four sword judgments. He described it to us, coronavirus, a pestilence, civil disobedience and anarchy, war, lights out. And from there, folks... The next phase of judgment that will hit this earth is going to guide the nations right into the greatest tribulation to ever hit the face of the earth. Persecution, scattering, and that's why 
the warning is to make sure you're where you're supposed to be. Pray, fast, go into intercession, find out where God wants you to be. And if you're in where you're supposed to be, then live an abundant life of joy. And you say, how could you have joy? Because if you know the kingdom, there's joy in the camp of the righteous. Those who love the Lord, who do not love the world, nor the things in the world. For he who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He who is a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do not touch it. Do not participate. Come out of it. For those that know the kingdom, regardless of what's going on in the world, they have an abundant life, a quality of life given them, internal peace, internal love, internal joy, moving out of them, rejoicing, being the answer, the solution, moving, and God's already told us in these home fellowships, his glory is going to be there, miraculous signs and wonders, healing, and the presence of Almighty God. That's why you want to be in the right environment with the right people. I'm telling you, and all the testing that's been going on has been good because it's been producing a faith for God's people in the days that we're talking about. This is not new news. It's just something that is coming alive. And the question is, are you ready? Let's open the lines. I'll leave it there for right now. And I want to just say that you would, you could call into the program, 818-369-0326, 818-369-0326. Press 1 on your dial pad if you would like to share a thought. And I want to say, again, good morning to all the folks on our uh, chat room. We do have a call coming in from area code 605 six nine five let's take that call i think that's our friends out there in south dakota good morning god bless you welcome to the broadcast you're on the air good morning pastor vincent yes good morning. i want to i want to relate an incident that uh came forth from a very sincere prophet or a mouthpiece for God. This man came from a foreign country. His name was Dimitri Duderman. And here is what he said. And it was written in the material of a book. And it's identical to what you are bringing out now. So we come to this place. Because the angel of the Lord said he was coming to America and him and his family did. But this is what God showed him when he got here on our soil. The angel of the Lord said, remember this, Dimitri, the Russian spies have discovered where the nuclear warehouses are in America. When the Americans will think that it is peace and safety from the middle of the country, some of the people will start fighting against the government. The government will be busy with internal problems. And then from the ocean... And it was three countries that he listed in this article, plus two more. They will bomb the nuclear warehouses, which really are our nuclear plants. When they explode, America will burn. And then Dimitri asked, what will you do with the church of the Lord here in America? And this is what the angel of the Lord spoke to Dimitri. He said, How will you save the ones that will turn? Well, I will save the ones that will turn toward me, the Lord told him. I asked, he said, tell them this. 
how I saved the three young ones from the furnace of the fire, Meshach, Meshach, and Abednego, and how I saved Daniel in the lion's den. It's the same way I will save them. So there will be places, and there will be the land of Goshen, you might say. But like you said, we need to know where God wants us. Amen. And people would think, well, man, they shouldn't have been in Babylon or in a lion's den or a fiery furnace, but they were exactly where they were supposed to be because they gave God glory uh, for their obedient lives. What a great word. Thank you for sharing that. That's a confirmation. You're welcome. God bless you. Wow. Hey, we're going to see you in a little bit, Kathy. Yeah, we are too. God bless your heart. All right. The number to call, 818-369-0326. Let's take area code 916 into the broadcast. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Good morning, Pastor Vincent. Can you hear me okay right now? I do. I hear you well, sir. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's so good to hear you this morning. Uh, You know, there's just something that there is a theme in scripture that just keeps coming back to me again and again and again. It's, uh, it really is ringing in my heart. And, and what's happening in my heart is I feel, a, you know, a little bit of a sense of sadness and frustration for those people who are just not able to hear the word of God in the times that we're in. And there's, there's scripture just all over the Bible. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd just like to read just two passages. Sure. Um, Ezekiel, thank you. Ezekiel 12.1 states, and this is from the Old Testament, Son of man, thou dwellest in the midst of a rebellious house, which have eyes to see and see not. They have ears to hear and hear not, for they are a rebellious house. And then in the New Testament, Matthew 13, 43, then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So I guess what I'm saying, Pastor, is that woe be unto those who have ears yet refuse to hear. You know, it's just a pity. It's a shame. But the flip side of that for me and my wife and my house is that we rejoice greatly that we have ears to hear and that we are hearing the word of God. And thusly, we are making preparations and we are seeking our ark. And for me, the bottom line is the ark is the heart of Jesus Christ, where if we are obedient to the word of Jesus Christ, then we will be protected because the ark is in our hearts. And that, Pastor, is my story, and I'm sticking to it. Well, it's a terrific story, and it's a true story. And, and that is because here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're not in a place of food, water, shelter, right? They're in the midst of a fiery furnace, but the ark, they were in the ark because the ark was in them in that fire. Yes, Great sir. point. Yes, we sir. like Amen. the balance of the word. Way to go. Thank you, sir. Very, very much. You're I appreciate welcome, Pastor. Comments. God bless you. you. Take care, sir. All right. That is Brother Mark calling in today. Um, One of the important things, if I could have your attention before going out of this broadcast today, it is time for the body of Christ to allow the Holy Spirit to take up his conductor rod, whatever that is, 
what is that thing in the conductor's hand? Da, da, da. The unanimity, li- listen to me. What you don't need in your home is somebody to come into your home and bring contrary thoughts and ideas to your home. What do you want in your home? You want unanimous agreement. You want harmony in your home. Am I correct? You want harmony between husband and wife, children, family. And when you take that husband, wife, children, family, and you unite it with other husband, wife, children, family, or you get into an ecclesia, a congregation of saints, you want harmony. You don't want to bring into your house contrariness that's going to create schism because that's not the Holy Spirit. What the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in the season that we are in right now is to tell all of his kids to be quiet and then he will move. And he will orchestrate the diversity the uniqueness of our individuality, but it will begin to blend together as a harmony of an ecclesia. And I'm telling you, the power, the joy, the strength, the anointing, the baptism, you see, they were all in one accord before Pentecost hit. And we want harmony in the body of Christ. And we have to go after that. The enemy of our soul wants to oppose that. So when we gather together, the idea is to allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to guide us, to conduct us on our way. The word one accord or the phrase one accord literally means to rush on in unity or in unison. Rush on. It is time for us to rush on into the eternal purposes of God, our Father. And we cannot do that when we have disagreements among us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, and he said in 1 Corinthians, I'm just going to let it rip one more time. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle said these words. He said in verse 10, 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is begging. Apostolic anointing is begging the brethren. Right here. Begging them for what? In the name of Jesus Christ. That you all speak the same thing. Now listen, we are never going to know the power that God really wants to display on us. Not these little things here and there, transient things. No, there is a power that God wants to put on display through the ecclesia, but it's going to require us speaking the same things. That's what he said. And that there be no divisions among you. Why? Because speaking different things and having divisions and who's who and all that nonsense will stop the flow, the baptism, the power that I'm telling you, when we're gathered together in a unanimous harmony, when we're gathered together with like minds and 
speaking the same language and no divisions among us, but rather that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment, then the very power of God that we've read about will be put on display again in our generation. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired about reading about revivals and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost and how the people of God were gathered together and the Spirit was poured out and they begin to shake the nations. I'm tired of reading about it. I want to know it. I want to experience that. And it requires a harmony. All this wrangling and conversation and, and, and debate and even there's a place and a time for it. I get it. We got to work things out. We got to go to the word. But listen, in the house, you have to allow for the spirit of God, the apostolic anointing of God, it, of teaching the word of God. That's what the church fed on in the book of Acts. They fed on the apostles doctrine. That uh, apostolic anointing and teaching must be in the ecclesia in harmony, feeding on the word of God. And when others come in with different ideas, different directions, different languages, it becomes Babylon. And I'm telling you, in your home, you don't want people bringing different ideas and thoughts into your home. You don't want in your church people bringing different ideas and thoughts that are going to get us out of harmony and create schism and division. We've all been guilty of it because we haven't been sensitive to what the Lord's been doing in other places, but also in our region, when all Christians are working together, there's only one church, there's only one spirit, there's only one faith, there's only one baptism. And if there is not apostolic doctrine being presented, you may resist this and that's up to you, but I know there's an apostolic anointing. We're not calling anybody apostle so-and-so. I know there's apostolic anointing to present the word of God in a manner that will assist with the prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, Ephesians 4, to build up the body of Christ. But when everybody's got their own ideas, and I know better, and we're right in our ideas, that cannot harmonize. That's not the Holy Spirit. It's about submitting and subjecting to the Spirit of God, whose anointing is in the fivefold ministry to do a work. And I don't know about you, I could care less who had the particular anointings? I just want to be in a place where those anointings are at work, and I know if they're real, they cannot be diverse in the sense of opposition to one another. The prophetic, apostolic, pastoral, teaching, evangelistic anointings flow together in a unison to build up the body of Christ, to bring it to a holy perfection. Now, that's what we're all about. We know what's going on in the world. God's warned us. It's coming. We get it. But I don't want to enter into this day in disunity, having different language, Babylon in our midst. No. The Apostle Paul went on to say it this way in Philippians chapter 2. He said, if there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Why? 
because it'll block the anointing, the power, the baptism of what God wants to put on display. I'll never forget when I met Pastor David Wilkerson at Times Square Church in New York City. Brother Michael and I went there, Pastor Mike and I. We went behind the scenes, back in the stage, and we met with Pastor Dave Wilkerson. And I was a young pastor in those days, and he said some things that Michael reminded me of, and, uh, and they were awesome. What a blessing to hear them from Pastor Dave. But I remember him saying, I don't let anybody behind my pulpit without at least listening to three of their sermons. What was he doing? He was protecting his house from foreign invasion of anything that was not consistent with what his house was teaching. I think this is important. Now, we've got people coming into our house this weekend, Pastor Dave and Victoria, and they're going to bring the word of the Lord, and we're on the same page. We are on the same page. There will not be a disunity of thought, idea. There will be a harmony. And God is raising up men and women of God that will be able to come together and inspire and build up the house. And that requires knowing the apostolic anointing in that house, the pastoral anointing in that house. It requires being sensitive to that house. And then you come and you inspire and you bring the word of God. And this is how God works it. And we all need each other. Now, If I'm invited to go preach at a church, and they believe in once saved, always saved, they believe in pre-tribulational rapture, they don't believe in the end times, that's going to create a problem. And if I'm sensitive to that, I'm going to have to talk to the pastor and say, listen, you've invited me to speak because you heard something I said that you liked that will be helpful to your congregation, but I, in order to bring that word forth, I cannot diminish my message by, you know, fueling something that I don't believe. And so one of two things is going to happen. Pastor is going to say, then don't come. And I'll say, okay, I agree. Or pastor will say, well, if you've got an epiphany on this, bring it, and maybe we could grow a little bit more. Now, that's a humble pastor. And we all have to be teachable and humble. Man, the best of the best times. Truly, God is planning them right out for his ecclesia, but what is required is one accord. The gates of hell fight against that, but the Spirit of the Lord fights for it as well. So I leave that with you. I believe it is so important for the body of Christ, wherever you worship and whatever community of believers you have been brought to, get on the same page. If you have people in your church that are undermining your message, Pastor, and they're telling other people that it's bad, but they're not telling you, get them out. They are a cancer in your building. If you have been ordained by God, if you are humble and you allow for growth like all of us need to, and there's people talking against what you're doing behind that pulpit, you are the authority behind that pulpit, and you are established by God, You don't let that go on. You make sure that your church is in agreement. Now, it's not an agreement with you. It's not about people being in agreement with my way. No, it's the word of God. And if somebody can show us a higher way that we're missing it, hallelujah, right? It's not just like-minded in doctrine. It's the same love. It's the same care. It's the same concern. 
for one another in that local assembly. Because if you and I had an epiphany, a revelation, an understanding about God's heart for the local assembly, you would be blown away how important to him it is for those few people to be gathered together in his name. And that's why these home fellowships that must be accomplished by the spirit of the Lord, they have to have a divine order to them because God's going to put his glory in them. And I'm telling you, the vision I've seen of home fellowships, it's miraculously beautiful. Are you a willing vessel to submit to the Holy Spirit? Do you study the word of God so that if you hear something come up that goes, whoa, whoa, that didn't make sense, you could go and address that problem. You know, where are you really? There's a lot of people in church that are not the church. They really don't obey God. They really have no desire to study the word of God. They're just critics. They're Pharisees. They're scribes. They're Sadducees. They're hypocrites. They're not real. And they're always going to exist. But these local fellowships, the striving of the spirit for unity, one accord, harmony, harmony in the body of Christ for a purpose. That like on the day of Pentecost, the heavens were opened and the powerful display of God's glory came into that place where they were of one accord. We want that in our lives. Do you? That's our job. This is not a reverence to any man. I'm not talking about any man. I'm talking about the anointing that God puts in vessels for the well-being and the established order of things. And if it's truly a man of God, that man is teachable. He is humble. He is willing to be taught, to be brought higher from someone that he would perceive as lesser than himself. It has to be that way. But there should be an anointing and a Holy Spirit unction operating in a five-fold ministry, and it has to be harmonious. It cannot be contradictory or opposing. And if it doesn't start with the headship, with the pastor, with the prophet, with the apostle of that local assembly, if it doesn't start there, then people in the church are going to think they have better ideas. And they're going to all be saying what they think they need to say, what the church needs. And that's the last thing that needs to happen in a church. Now, everybody needs to flow. And if there's disagreement, you talk about the disagreement, but not to other people. You do that with the pulpit. That's it. Finito. I'm going to say arrivederci. I hope today helped you in some way. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. I'm Pastor Vince. There's a roundtable discussion right now on OmegaRadio.org. This is a powerful one, by the way. Uh, You're not going to want to miss that. If you can get there to OmegaRadio.org, you'll hear a great discussion. It's going to help you in your life. And that's with Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights, and her roundtable friends. And we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. God bless. Remember, if you'd like to support this ministry, you could do so by going to OmegaRadio.org. And for all who do, God bless you and thank you so very much. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Shalom.